WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noah Layden on this Friday. We made it to the weekend. It's August 18th. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Rain and thunderstorms developing around the tri-state this morning. In fact, looking out our window right now, that rain has begun. Looks like it dries out mid-afternoon. We get some sun from there. 84 today's high later today. And later tonight, mostly clear headed into the weekend. 62 The overnight low headed into Saturday. Tomorrow, Saturday, mostly sunny. 80 where we'll top out. Sunday, more sun, warmer, getting up to 89. 75 degrees in midtown Manhattan. 76 degrees in Glen Ridge, New Jersey. 74 in Glenhead on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So I think it's one of the most important life lessons you can have. Certainly something you can learn being in radio. The importance of having a backup. In other words, redundancy is the essence of avoiding failure. I learned that. As a producer and as a board operator in radio, you just, you know, you don't have the music queued up in one place. You have it in two places on the computer. You have it on the CD. You don't just record the podcast in one spot. You set up a backup. But yesterday I got burned and it's because I didn't follow that important lesson without getting too technical. There was a cable that was starting to go here. It happens. And my microphone was sort of low. It was kind of like, you know, this, like uh, my mic wasn't really at where it should be. Uh, I didn't handle it that well during my 2 o'clock news, I'll say that. Having an issue with the computer screen here, but that's all right. We're going to get it squared away. Just uh, bear with me for a second as we get you uh, this message, our service temporarily unavailable. Okay, well, that's all right. Yeah, that was noticed by our host, Greg Kelly. You're supposed to be Mr. Mild-mannered. What the hell happened out there? Well, you know, not to give too much of a peek behind the curtain or whatever it may be, but no, my microphone's having a bit of an issue. So now you're the one having the issue. And you know what? That's a bad job by me because only a bad carpenter blames his tools. And the key is the truth. I didn't have a printed out backup. Back when newspapers were a thing, that's what people would do. Grab those and read if you had to. Uh, our own Bob Brown was telling me of a story about Charles McCord, who during the Imus days would grab a New York Times if need be, if he needed a backup. And I guess they did that one time during a drive over to the studio. What's up, Sid? Good morning. That's not true. That's not true? <laughs> oh, well, he says that it might be. Anyway, that's the truth. Have a backup. Let's get into our top five headlines here. Cop shot a teen in Brooklyn. Top five at five. Jump the gun there. Cops shot a teen in Brooklyn yesterday after they say he refused multiple orders not to go for a gun. Amid what's already the deadliest wildfire in modern U.S. history, Maui's emergency management chief has resigned, citing health reasons. The death toll in Maui up to at least 111. President Trump has canceled his Monday press conference in Bedminster, New Jersey. He was supposed to display evidence of voter fraud in 2020 after prosecutors charged him and 18 co-defendants with conspiracy. Was that a dog on the subway tracks yesterday? Yeah, it was a dog on the subway tracks. Plenty of disruptions for strap hangers. But don't worry, Fido is okay. Mayor Adams, he's planning a visit to Israel. All right, so like we told you to start off here, a teenager is in the hospital after being shot by police yesterday in the thigh. That was in East Flatbush yesterday afternoon. Cops say a group of young adults were fighting in the street, and that's when officers moved in. The 17-year-old boy allegedly took off in a scooter. Cops say he dropped a gun eventually. He's getting repeated instructions not to pick up that firearm. 
at which time he does. Our officer to defend himself fires one round strike in the middle on the right thigh. And that's Chief of Patrol John Shell. The injured teen is expected to be okay, and that's potentially because cops say they quickly rushed into life saving mode after firing that shot, hitting the teen in the thigh. Obviously, you know that femoral artery is there. That could easily be fatal. They applied a tourniquet to the teen, and that may have saved his life as they got the kid to the hospital. It's not clear, by the way, what that original dispute was about, but it's just wild to me to think about being in a standoff like that with a cop. There's a gun there on the ground. They're you know, aiming their guns at you, saying, don't do it, and yet you do. That's just crazy to me. It kind of puts in perspective like the sense of loss and risk and just the ease at which people fire guns right now in the city. The devastating Maui wildfire has claimed at least 111 lives. And the latest from Hawaii is that Maui's top emergency management official has resigned after he defended the fact that sirens stayed silent while the fire raged. Officials said on Thursday that Herman Andaya, administrator of the county's emergency management agency, cited health reasons. Effective immediately, his resignation came one day after he defended his decision not to activate the sirens. And Daya said he feared coastal residents would have fled inland towards the flames. A wildfire devastated the town of Lahaina last week, killing more than 100 people and destroying thousands of buildings. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the emergency management uh, agency basically said that they felt as though the use of the sirens would be confusing because they're usually used for brush fires. And Hawaii has the largest system of outdoor sirens in the world that was partially installed after more than 150 people died in a 1946 tsunami. You know, I mean, residents say those sirens should have gone off. Maybe some people could have escaped more quickly if they had more headway. But officials have insisted in a news conference that basically alerts sent to cell phones, TVs, and radios were more efficient than the sirens. I mean, you think about getting something on your cell phone, maybe that's going to alert you, uh, depending on if you have the sound on, if you get, you know, separated from the phone somehow. But a siren, you would think, is a pretty good way to do it, given that you're going to hear that regardless of where you are in that city. And that was in Lahaina on Maui. One good thing is we do have some more uplifting news coming out of Hawaii. And I know that'll be sort of a salve on my heartbreak, considering the situation, as, you know, just so many people have already lost their lives. That's going to go up as cadaver dogs continue their search. And I honeymooned in Lahaina just a few months ago. WABC News Time 507. James Flippin filling in this morning on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. WABC News Time 509. James Flippin filling in this morning for Noam Layden on the 5 a.m. News Hour. So, like I said, how about some more uplifting news from Hawaii? Uh, Donating to the victims, making donations to the victims of the wildfires. That's on everybody's minds including some big corporations, such as the Hormel Food Corporation. They're the makers of Spam. They're sending resources to aid in the disaster efforts, and they're sending five truckloads of Spam products, including over 260,000 cans of Spam. Hormel has created a T-shirt which says Spam brand loves Maui, and all the proceeds will be donated to Aloha United Way's Maui Fire Relief Fund. Now, if that sounds a little bit confusing to you or or overly specific as to why Hormel and Spam is being spotlighted here, Hawaii loves Spam. They're really, really into Spam. And apparently the true root of Hawaii's love for Spam goes all the way back to World War II because it was a popular and useful luncheon meat that would be served to GIs who were stationed there. You know, obviously we know Pearl Harbor is out there in Hawaii 
And by the end of the war, spam products have become kind of a huge part of the local culture. In fact, fried spam and rice is a very popular meal in Hawaii. You'll see it at various, you know, takeout options. They'll have little uh, beds of rice with little grilled pieces of spam or fried, I guess I should say. And it's really a thing. In Hawaii, at, at tourist spots, you'll see little t- stuffed spam toys. So we're really, really into spam when it comes to Hawaii, and that's nice that they're making those donations. But look, since we're no longer on Frank Morano's show, it's safe to say we're not exploring things like aliens and other phenomenon. But there are some conspiracy theories to talk about in Hawaii, as Hawaii and Maui County leaders find themselves blasting what they're calling misinformation and conspiracy theories about the devastating wildfires. Several social media posts speculate the cause of the fires and urge people not to trust federal emergency agencies. On Wednesday, Governor Josh Green shot back, saying don't rely on influencers. He also called some people predators who want to spread negativity. There are posts saying lasers sparked the fires, claiming FEMA is confiscating shipping containers loaded with supplies for Maui and claiming that people who apply for federal assistance could have their property confiscated. Government leaders say none of this is true. I'm Daniel Martindale. Yeah, and some of the other stuff you've heard about is like how Oprah has a ton of land in Maui. I guess Jeff Bezos owns a home there, and people are saying, well, how come these super rich people, their homes haven't been burned? Well, Oprah is in like southwest Maui, which is a totally different kind of climate and situation. The fires didn't burn as intensely there. Northwest Maui is where this fire in Lahaina really burned. And what I've heard is that the grasses there that have grown and proliferated after the sugar and pineapple farms more or less went away, turned West Maui into basically like a tinderbox. And Lahaina has these old wood termite-infested buildings that just burned like, you know, dry tinder, like I said. And residents, apparently, from some of the stuff I've read on social media, they deal with smaller fires all the time in that region. One neighbor talking about they had a group of friends who shared keys with each other just in case you needed to grab a a go box of items if a fire got bad enough in the area. So still plenty to come, unfortunately, with the Hawaii situation, the investigation, the the death toll is going to continue to rise because they're, you know, combing through. They can't even physically handle the remains of people. They're so burned so hot that you have to use DNA testing. So more to come there. All right, our next story connects to a local aspect of things as in bedminster on new jersey we were expecting a big news conference from former president trump but now he says that news conference is canceled he had planned to release a report on election fraud in 2020 alleged election fraud but that's no longer happening it was on truth social where trump posted that on the advice of his attorneys he will now release the report in formal legal filings his attorneys have basically said look you don't want to do this it's going to hurt your case there in Georgia. Uh, you know, maybe your case connected to January 6th and the one that's out of D.C. So, you know, wait. And I guess that's what Trump is going to do here. But he claimed the report will exonerate him from his recent indictments in Georgia for allegedly trying to overturn the 2020 election in that state. Trump and 18 of his co-defendants charged with felony racketeering and numerous conspiracy charges Monday. And former President Trump, well, he's dismissing that Georgia indictment as part of a witch hunt. Because I have four of them now, if you look. I mean, this is not even possible. Four over the next last couple of months. And frankly, it discredits everything. And they're all very similar in the sense that uh, there's no basis for them. 
That was during an interview with Fox Business, calling the indictments a horrible thing for the country, in his words. A Georgia grand jury, like we said, indicted him and 18 co-defendants earlier this week. The former president says members of the Republican Party have to be a lot tougher. And Republicans can't get let them get away with it. The Republicans have to be tough. The Republicans are great in many ways, but they don't fight as hard for this stuff, and they have to get a lot tougher. And if they don't, they're not going to have much of a Republican Party. And that's sort of a sentiment you sometimes hear from a number of people that lean right or consider themselves Republicans. People are saying, well, what's going on here in terms of, you know, the allegations against President Biden? And should he maybe face an impeachment inquiry? And House Speaker, GOP Speaker Kevin McCarthy has said, well, that's something we're working on. Um, You know, some really crazy things came out yesterday, as a matter of fact, in terms of Kentucky Representative James Comer and his demand from the National Archives for records concerning allegedly pseudonyms that Biden used while vice president. Um, Some fake names that allegedly he used, and maybe that might be connected to some of Hunter Biden's business dealings. But back to Trump for a second, because basically what he's saying is he wants his federal trial related to election interference delayed until 2026. His attorneys recommend the trial start in April of 2026, which is over two years longer than what prosecutors want to see happen. And again, that election interference case gets a little bit confusing here, of course, but it's one of four criminal cases Trump is now dealing with. Two of them are taking place at the federal level. All right, take a pause from politics here for a second, and let's get some sports headlines. (laughs) Hi, James. Hey, good morning, Justin. I was going to say, you don't sound like Noam later, but... uh... Yeah. I don't, and I have a little bit more hair than he does. A little well. bit more hair, and your name is much easier to say, and you won't get on me for saying it wrong, because it's just James. That's true. You know, it's funny. I think back years ago when I would be listening to 77 uh, as a pizza delivery guy, yeah. and I always thought to myself, what is that name that he's saying? Is it Noah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Noah, maybe? Right. Yeah, you really got to pronunciate the A. You, you, know? do. you do. So over this next week, we'll uh, be taking little small jabs here at Noam Laden while he can't <laughs> do anything about it. Well, he's vacationing, so I think he'll trade. He'll make that trade. <laughs> exactly. Let's get into the sports here for you, James. Just the Mets in action last night, beating the Cardinals 4-2 for their second straight win in the first of four in St. Louis. Pete Alonso stayed red hot, stepping up in the fourth inning to go dead center with this two-run blast that broke a scoreless tie and put New York up for good. That ball's cracked to center field. Edmund back. He looks up, and Pete Alonso deep into the laundry into center field, way out of here, and a two-run home run for Alonso. That call of Alonso's 37th home run on the year, courtesy of Fox Sports. Jose Quintana was very good on the mound in route to tallying his first win on the season and in a Mets uniform, for that matter. Now having won four of their past five games, New York is feeling a sense of optimism that has been hard to come by for them this season. They'll do their best to keep building on the momentum tonight in Game 2 against the Cardinals, set for an 8.15 p.m. first pitch. The Mets have yet to name a starter to go against St. Louis's Zach Thompson. As for the Yankees, they were off yesterday, but open up a three-game set in the Bronx tonight against the rival Boston Red Sox. First pitch is scheduled for 7.05 p.m., with the Yankees not yet naming a starter to go against Boston's Brian Bellow. And tonight, we've got preseason football for uh, Giants fans. Giants and Panthers will meet at MetLife tonight at 7 p.m. And tomorrow night at MetLife as well, the Jets and Buccaneers will kick things off. At 7.30. James with Sports on 77 WABC. I am Justin Owen.
WABC News Time 519. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the 5 a.m. news hour. So off those transit and traffic updates, how about this story? Finishing up our top five headlines with a couple local ones. Subway service in Manhattan yesterday was stopped in both directions as cops responded to a dog on the tracks. This was near Grand Central, 42nd Street. The dog was caught shortly after 4 o'clock, but subway delays, well, they persisted. Trains were stopped, and five trains were forced to run on the two-line between 149th Street, Grand Concourse, and Nevin Street in both directions. But like we said, cops eventually did get the dog to safety, and service resumed. So New York City Mayor Eric Adams, he's heading to Israel. His office says he'll be traveling to Jerusalem and meeting with national leaders to learn about Israeli technology. They'll also be having discussions on efforts aimed at combating anti-Semitism. Adams will leave the city on Sunday and remain in Jerusalem until Wednesday, then travel to Tel Aviv. And the mayor plans to land back in New York City on Thursday, August 24th. Always kind of a weird issue, a song and dance, you know, a, a balance that it seems like progressive politicians need to strike here in New York with regards to Israel. And sort of a source of controversy, as you've got some progressive members of caucuses in the New York City Council and, you know, local congressional uh, members who are very pro-Palestine in a way. And by the way, in terms of news out of the Middle East, we've got some churches burning in Pakistan in response to the alleged desecration of the Quran. something Frank Morano talked about overnight. We'll talk about that later in the program this morning. You just heard sports a couple minutes ago from our own Justin Ellick. How about this? The New York Jets' newest offensive addition is explaining why he chose to play for gangrene. Dalvin Cook, former pro bowler out of the, or formerly with the Minnesota Vikings, told the media yesterday, Aaron is Aaron. If you don't want to play with beat, or pe- if you don't want to be part of something like that, I don't know what you want in football. Of course, talking about Aaron Rodgers, who the Jets acquired in a trade with the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers, being such intense rivals of the Minnesota Vikings, Cook knows a thing or two about being on the other side, something he says he couldn't do anymore. And it could be a pretty impressive backfield tandem for the Jets this year, as they've already got second-year running back Brees Hall uh, in the fray, coming off ACL surgery last October. And the Jets are going to try to sort of limit his workload a little bit. And the 28-year-old Dalvin Cook, not a bad little one-two punch. Congestion pricing continues to be a big story here around the tri-state and that plan to bill motorists entering Manhattan south of 60th Street, plenty controversial. Yesterday, some hearings were held and a rally was held outside of City Hall where a group of people pro-congestion pricing were interrupted by somebody who's very against congestion pricing. We ask that this profit about money. He's saying is this is about money, which of course it is. Um, MTA agencies, MTA agency officials say that toll money that would be collected for entering Manhattan below 60th Street will go towards capital funding and long-delayed projects that are in need of being completed. But I do want to emphasize that there are major investments being made in the outer boroughs that have been long overdue and asked for by your community uh, that will be supported by congestion pricing revenues. And, you know, really, you're talking MTA funding here. So one of the controversial aspects is that people coming in from New Jersey that already pay for Port Authority tunnels or bridges are then spending upwards of $23 or whatever it's going to end up finally being just to drive in Manhattan. And that money goes to the MTA, which a New Jersey resident, for example, doesn't have anything to say about or do do anything with. The MTA does plan to exempt emergency vehicles. They plan to exempt those carrying people with disabilities. 
and they've also committed to tolling four higher vehicles like Uber, taxi, Lyft, just once a day. And it basically says, according to reports, that the MTA is coming up with a discount plan for low-income riders. But the MTA's review board will make its final suggestions sometime later this year, I guess, or maybe early next year, as to what the exemptions really should be. And there was a city council hearing yesterday where the Transportation Committee was kind of investigating the whole issue of congestion pricing, and they said they're more or less split on the idea. One member calling for better service, another demanding improved outreach. To me, congestion pricing, and to most of my um, my constituents, is a giant tax scam. I have uh, always, you know, voted for congestion pricing, but there are so many challenges. I, I recognize that last voice. That's Gail Brewer, who was Manhattan Borough President for some years and member of the council. It is a toss-up over what exemptions will be granted, if any, for congestion pricing. We were asked to uh, discount um, or provide exemptions for people from residing in certain locations. We also got requests to not exempt people residing in those same types of locations. We're hearing from MTA board members as well, not just members of the city council. That was from that hearing yesterday. The MTA board in charge of reviewing the congestion pricing plan is expressing concerns over equity. But there's also the human toll that we have to consider, how it affects our citizens, our workforce, and everything else. Board members explaining that people who drive into New York City, in their view, probably live in what is sometimes called a transit desert, where you don't have a subway stop near you. The bus stop, uh, the bus route is not near where you could easily walk to, that type of stuff. So some board members are saying the MTA really needs to improve service in those areas, especially on Long Island and in parts of the outer boroughs. Here's board member John Samuelson. Not putting service out is really a ridiculous way to embrace an exercise that's about decongesting the streets. It's just silly. It doesn't work. Samuelson said he also thinks four higher drivers, taxi cabs, like we talked about, shouldn't have to directly pay the toll. We should figure out a way to build it into the structure and put our minds together and figure out how the drivers not get shackled with the charge. We've seen taxi drivers rally on that issue, by the way, this after they just recently, you know, in the past couple of years, been working so hard to get medallion relief, medallion costs relief. You know, people who had to pay to get a medallion to drive a taxi, in many ways, they, in many cases, they finance that. And given all the competition from Uber and Lyft, some of those medallions are more or less underwater. So, you know, you're really looking at a lot of challenges there with this congestion pricing issue, not just for commuters, but potentially for for hire drivers and taxi drivers as well. Montauk, out on the east end of Long Island, is one of the world's most expensive beach destinations. That's according to TravelMag.com. Montauk ranked number three on the list of 20, topped by Positano, Italy. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but Positano. Uh, Nantucket, Massachusetts, came in first place in terms of the most expensive hotel stay. An average hotel room will cost you $694 on Nantucket. That's the most expensive overall. And then in terms of the most expensive destinations, period, those top 20, Cape May, New Jersey, came in at 12, and Ocean City, New Jersey, ranked number 14. Staying in New Jersey, video on social media shows the moment an older woman slammed her car into a light pole and two cars in Garfield Monday. This was at Midland Avenue and Passaic Street. The 88-year-old woman apparently suffered a medical episode. She suffered only minor leg injuries because she was wearing a seatbelt. 
but her car came really close to hitting a man who was walking to work at Walmart. WABC News Time 527. WABC News Time 529. This is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So that person who was waving a gun in a Long Island intersection earlier this week, who originally we thought may have been a woman but turned out to be a man, they were indicted yesterday on Long Island. We're talking about 31-year-old Kyber Calderon of Brooklyn, who also goes by the name Hannah Carrillo who waved a loaded gun in the street at the intersection of Jerusalem and Belmore Avenues earlier this week. Wild video on social media, if you haven't seen it, uh, depicts the situation from a bystander's point of view as the person was in their car filming on their cell phone, and you see Calderon Carrillo more or less you know, walking out into the middle of the intersection. This was after she, he, they had already fired off a shot and then holding the gun to their head. Um, again, and I'm not trying to be insensitive in any way with the he, they. It's just that the it's not clear if the person identifies as transgender. Many outlets, I've noticed, are kind of just using they. And the suspect was taken to a hospital. They've been charged with menacing, reckless endangerment, menacing an officer. Like we said, the arraignment was yesterday. And in June, the suspect was picked up in New York City for burglary and trespassing. All right, WABC News Time 530, James Flippin filling in here for Noam Layden. When we come back, we'll have an update on the migrant situation here in New York. We'll also have a look back on one year of the so-called Inflation Reduction Act and a story to talk about that connects to the start of school, back to school. It's James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 5 a.m. News Hour. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Tompkins Square Park and 77 WABC. Both are real New York. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Cut to the chase with Laura Curran. Tom Stebbins, he is executive director of the Lawsuit Reform Alliance of New York. There's a perception out there that the government has tons of money. Not the case. I imagine if anyone can sue, this is going to be a real hardship for them. And it's not just, you know, okay, who cares if the government gets sued? Well, guess what? You're a taxpayer, so you're the one who's shouldering the cost. The government money is your money. Yeah, and all of these entities are sued all all the time. Any time, the time that there's an accident, you would essentially have these billboard attorneys that go out there and they sue the town. They sue the town DPW. They sue the village. They sue the village DPW. They sue the county. They sue the county DPW. They sue the state. And in many of these cases, for these larger settlements, it exceeds what the county or the village or the state or whomever is insured for. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. This Sunday, from noon to 1 p.m., he's one of America's most prominent political consultants, pollster, and pundit, a best-selling author, and he's been called the most influential private citizen in America by Time Magazine. In politics, you're up, you're down, nothing is final or fatal. He's Dick Morris, and this Sunday, from noon to 1 p.m., The Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group, is on 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. 
WABC News Time 533. James Flippin filling in this morning for Noam Laden on the WABC 5 a.m. news hour. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Rain and thunderstorms throughout this morning around the tri-state is really pouring out right now. It looks like it should dry out by mid-afternoon. We'll get some sun from there, 84 today's high. And then later tonight, mostly clear, headed into the weekend, dropping to 62. Saturday, mostly sunny, 80. Saturday's high. Sunday, more sun and warmer. It'll get up to 89. 75 degrees right now in midtown Manhattan. Very, very rainy. 76 degrees in Glen Ridge, New Jersey. 74 in Glenhead on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Give you our top five headlines here again here at WABC News Time 534. As cops shot a teen in Brooklyn yesterday after they say he refused multiple offer orders not to go for a gun. Amid what's already the deadliest wildfire in modern U.S. history, Maui's emergency management chief has resigned, citing health reasons. The death toll in Maui up to at least 111. And President Trump has canceled his Monday press conference in Bedminster, New Jersey, which was supposed to display evidence of voter fraud in 2020. And that's on advice of his attorneys after prosecutors charged Trump and 18 co-defendants with conspiracy. Was that a dog on the subway tracks? It was a dog on the subway tracks. Plenty of disruptions for strap hangers yesterday, but don't worry, Fido is okay. And finally, Mayor Adams is planning a visit to Israel. So something we talked about before the break at the bottom of the hour, it's now been over a year since the Inflation Reduction Act was passed. Perhaps not surprisingly, Republicans and members of the Biden administration see the results differently. Biden has been touting his Bidenomics agenda recently. And the Department of Homeland Security notes that it's gotten a big boost from the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Here's Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We are making a significant step toward realizing the first clause of that initial vision, to unite our efforts under one roof. Announcing a $300 million investment for new facilities for ICE and CISA. Streamline inter- and intra-component collaboration, which helps make us stronger and better positioned to mitigate the new and evolving threats. And CISA, by the way, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. I had to actually check that myself. Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas says the move to new facilities will bring these departments under one roof. Full execution of the DHS campus consolidation effort will take our total number of locations from 40 to 6. And the move comes as Mayorkas has faced intense criticism for his handling of the southern border and crossings there, which of course, connects to the migrant situation and what's been going on here in New York. A major migrant milestone was reached this week as 100,000 migrants, newly arrived migrants, have been processed at New York City centers. Nassau County on Long Island, well, officials there pushing back on attempts to see the Coliseum used for a shelter. Nassau County is not planning to help with emergency shelters. With sites like the Nassau Coliseum floated as a migrant housing option, County Executive Bruce Blakeman once again says this is not a sanctuary county. There is no plan for anywhere in Nassau County to house any migrants. 
including but not limited to the Nassau Coliseum. He said the county won't invite immigrants and migrants into the county from south of the border without proper vetting. He noted the potential for crime, pointing out other areas throughout the U.S. have all had crime issues as a result of not properly vetting people. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. And the back and forth continues between officials in New York as Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul have you know, mostly been hunky-dory with each other since both have been uh, elected, re-elected for Hochul um, after she took over for Governor Cuomo. But there's some potential cracks here now, and they seem sort of at odds over this migrant issue because there was a letter sent from Hochul's attorneys this week, I believe it was the New York Times that originally reported on this, where Hochul's attorneys more or less said to City Hall, hey, there's a number of ways, and this was um, through... A letter sent to a judge, I believe, who's mediating the whole New York City right to shelter situation, which is technically different, but connects to the whole migrant thing. So Hochul's attorneys basically say the city's failed to submit invoices for certain things, that they left some money on the table. And we know this is a very costly situation with housing and supporting these migrants. Uh, the, the letter also accuses Mayor Adams' administration of failing to accept suggestions for possible sites. And then on Thursday night, there was a protest held in opposition to a new tent center, a tent city, I should say, at Creedmoor Psychiatric in Queens Village, where, if you haven't heard already, our own Curtis Sliwa was arrested at that protest and then released. So the whole back and forth over, you know, certain locals saying, no, we we're fine with migrant centers being here. Other ones saying, no, that's not something we're interested in. It's happening on Staten Island as well um, with Fort Wadsworth. You know, it's it's a it's an ongoing situation. And then the cost continues to mount as migrants are just continuing to still arrive here in New York City. So back to school is coming down the pike. A potential school bus strike, by the way, in New York City is one concern. The city's Department of Education continues to negotiate with the union that represents school bus drivers and school bus monitors September 7th, the first day of school in New York City public schools. Over 100,000 students potentially impacted by that situation. And in terms of strikes, NJ Transit engineers are still rumbling about a potential strike. But this is some better news, and it connects to the back-to-the-school thing. New Jersey Transit's offering students up to 60% off as they head back to the classroom this fall. It's the Student Pass, offering students at participating regional colleges and universities a 25% discount, often already discounted monthly pass. That applies to rail, bus, and light rail. And New Jersey Transit's also offering students one month free when they buy three months' worth of passes. So that's something to definitely tell a college student in your life, tell them about if they're going to a place like maybe Seton Hall, Rutgers, or Montclair State. A man is dead after falling from the roof of the Deutsche Bank Center near Columbus Circle last night. The New York Daily News reports the man's body fell 750 feet through the marquee of the Mandarin Oriental Hotel and then onto the pavement in front of 80 Columbus Circle. This was around 9 o'clock last night. And uh, this is pretty grisly. A building worker told the Daily News that the marquee bisected the man, cut him in half. He also confirmed the unnamed man was a resident there, formerly known as the Time Warner Center. Apartments go into the tower uh, for between 5 and $19 million. Past residents include Jay-Z, Tom Brady, and Cubs owner Joe Ricketts. So those spotted lantern flies, they're stubbornly sticking around the tri-state, and sightings are on the rise in New York City and surrounding areas. I can certainly attest to that. I think um, it seems like any time I talk about this story on the air, I see somebody in the studio nodding aggressively. 
everybody's seeing these spotted lanternflies everywhere. And I was walking along the other day, and some spotted lanternfly was kind of fluttering in front of me. Usually they're, they're really jumpy. It's, like, hard to get at these things. But I don't know if this one was dehydrated or something like that. But it was kind of just floating in front of me while I was walking home from the train. And I was actually able to, like, hacky sack this thing a few times, kind of kicking the spotted lanternfly up to myself. And then I did smush it. You're supposed to smush them. New York State Environmental Conservation Bureau Chief Justin Perry says people should remain vigilant and check outdoor spaces and equipment for the spotted lanternfly. Cornell University's Brian Essenhower says people can use several kinds of vacuums. He basically recommends kind of carrying a little battery-powered dustbuster around your backyard and looking for these things. Specific insecticides can kill spotted lanternflies, and I guess they recommend using a hose to get rid of large swaths of the insects. Spotted lanternflies, by the way, are not really, I guess, a risk to tree health around the tri-state, but officials are very worried they could more or less devastate the wine industry, which is largely located on Long Island here in New York, the North Fork, out on the east end. But our WLIR listeners know there's some plenty nice wineries in the Hamptons as well. Wolfer Estate, one of them. You should really check out their summer in a bottle if you've never had that. A storm system, by the way, has strengthened into a hurricane in the Pacific Ocean, southwest of Mexico. As it currently forms into a Category 3 storm off the coast of Mexico, Hurricane Hillary is forecast to intensify into a Category 4 storm with winds of up to 130 miles per hour this weekend. The storm is expected to weaken before it hits Southern California and areas of the southwest, but may bring heavy rain and flooding to the region. It's expected to make landfall in the U.S. Sunday night into Monday morning. I'm Mark Mayfield. And by the way, just let me say that given the crossfire hurricane story that's been out there in recent years, the fact that there's a hurricane Hillary is a bit much. But at last check, Hillary's wind speeds were clocked at 140 miles per hour, and Hurricane Hillary is now a Cat 4 storm churning in the Pacific Ocean. Not a common thing, by the way, for hurricanes to touch down in California. By the way, meteorologists say wildfire smoke centered over the upper Midwest will head back into the tri-state tomorrow. Some of that smoke... Expected to filter back in Saturday morning. The smoke is expected to be elevated, so hazy skies. But forecasters do say it shouldn't affect the air quality at ground level. So on the same week that America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, was indicted, WABC's own Rudy Giuliani, of course, we're learning the alleged architect architect of the 9-11 attacks may never face the death penalty. This under plea agreements that are now under consideration, the Pentagon and the FBI informing families this week that plea deals could bring an end to the potential prosecution of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and four others. They've been at Guantanamo Bay for 14 and a half years. Thousands killed, of course, on 9-11, including the destruction of the Twin Towers here in Manhattan. And AP has reported on a letter sent home to families, military prosecutors, and defense counsel have been negotiating a potential plea deal for one and a half years there. WABC News Time 545. Let's check in again with Justin Ellick on the sports desk. How do you think they come up with these hurricane names? Do they have like a, uh, a generator system? I know they do have a system because mm-hmm. they, they, I don't know exactly what it is, but you can't repeat them within a certain amount of time. Right, I would imagine. Or you could just spell the name differently. And then I mean, they they've also, come up with some weird names. They have some that they take out of the rotation because they were such a big storm. Like there won't be another uh, Hurricane right. Andrew. Or there like Irene be... or something like right, that. Exactly. Right, exactly. Right. Okay. Floyd, like stuff like that. Hurricane you know? Hillary. 
Sandy, huh. I guess. They I wonder what Sandy. they might. I wonder what they might be getting uh, us ready for Hurricane Hillary, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to speculate as to um, that. No, I won't either. <laughs> Maybe Sid will coming up. I'm sure he will. At 6 a.m. So we'll see. But uh, in the world of sports, James, just a Mets in action last night, beating the Cardinals 4-2 for their second straight win in the first of four in St. Louis. Pete Alonso stayed red hot, stepping up in the fourth inning to go dead center with this two-run blast. that broke a scoreless tie and put New York up for good. That ball's cracked to center field. Edmund back. He looks up, and Pete Alonso deep into the laundry into center field way out of here and a two-run home run for Alonzo that call of Alonzo's 37th jack on the year courtesy of Fox Sports Jose Quintana was very good on the mound and route to tallying his first win on the season and in a Mets uniform for that matter now having won four of their past five games the Mets they're feeling a sense of optimism that has been hard to come by for them this season. They'll do their best to keep building on that momentum tonight in Game 2 against the Cardinals, set for an 8.15 p.m. first pitch. The Mets have yet to name a starter to go against St. Louis's Zach Thompson. As for the Yankees, they were off yesterday, but opened up a three-game set in the Bronx tonight against the rival Boston Red Sox. First pitch is scheduled for a 7.05 p.m. Uh, first pitch, with the Yankees not yet naming a starter to go against Boston's Brian Bello. And preseason football to look forward to starting tonight at 7 p.m. at MetLife James. You've got the Giants and the Panthers. And uh, tomorrow night at 7.30, the Jets and the Buccaneers, they'll kick things off at MetLife as well. Sports on 77 WABC James. I am Justin Hulk. WABC News Time 549. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. Before we got into some sports and traffic updates there, we were talking about the fact that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and his four co-defendants in the 9-11 attacks may never face the death penalty. In fact, they may never go on trial. And things are sort of complicated from a legal perspective, according to reports, because the defendants were allegedly interrogated and tortured at Guantanamo Bay while initially under CIA custody. And, I, you know, I guess that just basically really complicates the legal proceedings. So no potential trial date is out there. Staying with news that connects to the Middle East, Pakistani authorities have arrested 129 Muslims after mob attacks on churches and homes of minority Christians. Christians slowly returned to their homes in the city of Jaranwala to see the destruction. Most had quickly moved to safer places as the mob rampaged through on Wednesday in one of the country's most destructive attacks against Pakistani Christians. Outside her torch house, Shazia Amjad says, we were sitting at home when suddenly we heard that a mob was coming and it's burning homes and attacking churches. While Azim Maza asks, what is our fault? Why are our houses and churches being burned? We want justice. The violence has drawn nationwide condemnation with the nation's caretaker prime minister ordering police to ensure the rioters are arrested. I'm Charles Tudor-Desma. Muslims were angry, per reports, after some living in the area claimed a local Christian by the name of Raja Amir and his friend had torn out pages from a Quran, threw them on the ground, and wrote insulting remarks on some pages. The mob, we're hearing, demolished the man's house, or at least somebody's house, probably his, and that was in Jaranwala in the district of Faisalabad in the Punjab province. Back home in Michigan, a terrible story, but it's pretty interesting as well the dearborn heights school district which is near detroit school district is being sued for wrongful death and the suicide of a 14 year old student selena perez this was back on may 1st 
Ali Kusan is the family's attorney. There must have been some knowledge that they had that this was that this either happened or was going to happen for them to show up with the timing they did. Perez had been sent home early that day due to being under the influence of marijuana. Apparently, there was some thoughts that Perez had suicidal thoughts ahead of time as well. An Annapolis high school principal, Aaron Millette, is accused of letting her leave without notifying her parents or police. But apparently, the superintendent, Tyrone Weeks, and the principal, Millette, showed up at the teen's house later that day. Again, here's the attorney, Kusan. He is favored by the children. They like him. Uh, we believe that's because he errs on the side of not getting them in trouble and not reporting them as he should have been. He's talking about Millette. And they arrived at the teen's home about 30 minutes after she died. On Long Island, well, we told you Montauk is one of the world's most expensive beaches. But there's a number of beaches where you're going to have some problems swimming or enjoying yourself without worrying about health concerns, as officials in Suffolk County are warning about a deadly flesh-eating bacteria. Suffolk County Health Commissioner Dr. Grayson Pickens said a man in Brookhaven died from the bacteria last month after swimming in so-called brackish water, which is salt water and fresh water mixed together. Was admitted to the hospital with that and some chest pain and later succumbed um, to the infection. The victim was 55 years old with an underlying condition and had a leg wound that seemed to get worse. Meantime, two people in Connecticut died from the bacteria after swimming in Long Island Sound. Another case involved the person who ate raw oysters. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. The Biden administration has approved sending F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine to help fight Russian forces amid the war that's Ongoing there, a U.S. official confirming yesterday the American-made planes will be sent from Denmark and the Netherlands as soon as pilot training is completed. Ukraine has been lobbying for F-16s to help their fight against Russian air superiority. President Biden endorsed F-16 training programs for Ukrainian pilots back in May, with the training to be held in Denmark and Romania. It is unclear at this point when training can begin, but Ukrainian officials say they don't expect to use those F-16s until next year. So getting back into our top stories here as we approach the start of Sid and Friends in the morning. A teenager is in the hospital after being shot by police in the thigh yesterday afternoon in East Flatbush. Cops say a group of young adults had been fighting in the street. Cops moved in. The 17-year-old boy took off in a scooter. Cops say he dropped the gun. Here's Chief of Patrol John Chell. He's getting repeated instructions not to pick up that firearm, at which time he does. Our officer to defend himself is one round strike in the mail on the right thigh. And officers quickly moved into life-saving mode, applying a tourniquet to the teen's leg that may have, in fact, saved his life. The devastating Maui wildfire has claimed at least 111 lives now. Maui's top emergency management official has also resigned after earlier defending the fact that st- sirens stayed silent while the fire raged. Basically, uh, the argument was that they would have been confusing those sirens because they're usually used for brush fires and the emergency management officials said they were worried that people would run inland towards the fire if they heard the sirens hawaii has one of the largest systems of outdoor sirens in the world 150 died in a 1946 tsunami and that led to them being installed president trump former president trump i should say next week's scheduled news conference in new jersey has been canceled where he was supposed to unveil detailed evidence of election fraud in 2020 on truth social trump says that on advice of his lawyers he'll now release the report in formal legal filings 
Meanwhile, Trump has dismissed his latest indictment in Georgia as a witch hunt. Because I have four of them now, if you look. I mean, this is not even possible. Four over the next last couple of months. And frankly, it discredits everything. And they're all very similar in the sense that uh, there's no basis for them. He made those comments during an interview with Fox Business. Well, yesterday, subway service was disrupted in Manhattan, stopped in both directions, while cops responded to a report of dog a dog on the tracks that was near Grand Central 42nd Street. The dog was eventually caught around 4 o'clock yesterday, but still subway delays persisted. Five trains were forced to run on the two-line for a while, but again, cops did eventually get the dog to safety. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is heading to Israel. His office says he'll be traveling to Jerusalem to meet with local and national leaders to learn about Israeli technology. And they'll also have some planned discussions on efforts to combat anti-Semitism. Adams leaves New York City on Sunday and will remain in Jerusalem until Wednesday when he travels to Tel Aviv. The mayor plans to land back in New York City on Thursday, August 24th. Out of California, the latest SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket launch planned for California's central coast is being pushed back, and that's because of the approaching Hurricane Hillary that we told you about. The launch, that would have been from Vandenberg Space Force Base, has already been delayed several times. It'll now happen no earlier than Monday night. It had been scheduled for 12.30 this morning. Whenever it finally happens, 21 Starlink Internet satellites will be deployed into low Earth orbit. All right, well, look, it's not so nice outside. It's cloudy. Storms are in the area. But it is Friday, August 18th. And coming up, it's Sid and Friends in the Morning with Sid Rosenberg. I'm James Flippin, filling in for Noam Layden on this, the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.